Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today. God, I thank you that your goodness is always there, that you are a faithful God, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what life throws at us, we know we have a rock that we can stand on, and his name is Jesus, and he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. God, we thank you for your goodness. And so, Lord, I lift up every person that came into this place today with depression. I lift up every person that came into this place today with anxiety, with rage, with anger, with fear. And, Lord, I pray that they would leave it at your feet today. And, Lord, I ask that we would open up our hearts to receive your word, that our ears would be open to what you have to say to us, Lord, because it is your word that is the truth. And it's your word that's the truth that will set us free. Lord, and I just thank you that we are here today to be set free from those things that try to bind us and hold us back. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 You guys can go ahead and be seated. I'm not sure, are they serving candy on this side? And no candy over here? I don't know what happened. Oh, your grandpa is serving candy. Okay, well, that explains it. All right. Well, awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, the kiddos can go on back and, and they can go learn. Well, I'm going to ask that the children file through the middle aisle. So if you've got kids, they can go through the middle aisle and out those back doors and funnel through. That is awesome. And um, I've been uh, also this morning, I've been texting with Brent. Brent is at a men's retreat and speaking at another church this morning uh, on the East Coast, and he is, uh, so if you don't know who Brent is, Brent is our worship leader, but he also, uh, his new book comes out in just a couple of months, and he is working on, uh, working with his agent and talking to some news networks and magazines and, and things, and so Brent right now is on the East Coast speaking at a church, and I'm excited to I'm excited to have him as our worship leader and continue to pray for him and lift him up as he travels the country from time to time. This morning, we're going to finish up our series on generosity. And I want you to know that when we talk about generosity, we talk about being more generous, right? We always, we always talk about, like, I need to grow my patience. I need to grow in love. I need, I need to be more truthful, right? You know, like husbands when she says does this make me look big okay never mind no that's a bad example my wife tells me that's a bad example okay bad example right we want to grow in all these spiritual attributes but do we ever think about growing in generosity how can I be more generous how can I be more generous with my time how can I be more generous with my with my talents and the skills that God's given me how do I be more generous with my finances and so on right Well, today we're going to finish up with generosity's reward, the reward of generosity. But I'm going to take a different angle this morning because I think when you think about generosity, I could could pull out Bible verses that says you'll receive more more when you give and it'll make you feel better. And I can tell you stories of how it makes the other person feel when you give to them. And we could go through that, but I think... Most of us know that, don't we? I mean, when we give to other people, we feel good, they feel good. It's, I don't want to, I don't want to, I need some response, right? We kind of know that, right? Yes, okay, there we go. So 
what I want to do this morning is I want to approach it from eternity's standpoint. When you enter into eternity, what's the reward of your generosity? Last week we covered some Bible verses and we talked a little bit about that day when we will stand before God and what that will be like, right? We, we, we talked some about that. And I want you to understand something, that when we stand before God and God as our judge, it's not that he's judging your sin, because that's already been dealt with on the cross. As we're going to see today, really what's happening, depending on whether you've accepted Christ or not accepted Christ, what's happening is really a reward ceremony for the Christian, and not so much so for the non-Christian. That when we are generous with what we have, the gifts, the talents, and the skills, and we use it for God, and we do it out of a love for Jesus and out of a love for Christ, what we're going to see this morning is that there is a great reward coming when we leave this earth. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he says, guys, don't you know God's going to judge everybody? And then we get to this verse. God will repay each person according to what they have done. And he goes on after this verse, and he tells them, he says, guys, if you, if you don't know Christ, and you haven't given your life to Jesus, then you're storing up for yourself the wrath of God. If you love Jesus and are following Jesus and what you're doing is out of your love for God, then you're storing up great rewards. Now I've paraphrased the next few verses after that, but essentially that's what he's saying. And it seems like from the dawn of time, we've always had two choices, haven't we? Does, does anyone remember in Genesis chapter 3, there's these two people called Adam and Eve. And God gives them the entire Garden of Eden. And he says, you have a choice. You have the tree of the knowledge of all you church people, help me out. Good and evil. There's a tree, and you will learn the, the difference between good and evil. He goes, or there is a tree of uh-oh, wait, you guys just blank. Life. There's a tree of life. And he tells Adam and Eve, you can eat from the tree of life, or you can come over here and you can eat from the tree and gain knowledge about good and evil. You take your pick. Life or good and evil? Well, you know what? They picked, right? They, they, they picked, oh, well, we, we would rather know the difference between good and evil and right and wrong instead of having life. We would rather elevate the intellect over the spirit. We'd rather do this over here than this. And I would challenge that I don't, that I, that I don't think that that has changed much. That we still have two choices. We can either choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or we can choose life. We can choose Jesus, Right? Well, Paul says to the church in Rome, Jesus is the second Adam by whom eternal life is given, or we can continue down the path of the original Adam, 
the way we are all naturally born, right? And that is to choose and do our own thing our own way, the way God, the way we want to do it, or we can choose to do it God's way. And so Paul tells us, he goes, everybody wouldn't, in eternity, they're going, you're going to be judged based on which tree you choose to eat from, right? Which tree do you go to? Your own knowledge and your own way of doing things with good and evil or with Jesus? And then based on that, you will receive a reward for your works and what you do after that decision or during that decision, if you will. So what let's do for the, for the rest of the time is let's look at, first, what happens in eternity if you choose to live your life for yourself, not acknowledge God, and just kind of do things your own way? Well, it's, it's, it, you know, like I partied in high school, and now I'm 50 years old, and I'm still going to the bar and partying. Like at some point, something has to change. Something has to, something has to give, right? Like at some point, you have to say, this isn't working for me. I'm not okay like this. I need this. And we all know people that are still over here eating off of this tree, right? Raise your hands if you know people that are still eating off of this tree over here. Yeah. All right. Now, if you raise your hands and you follow Jesus and Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you're like, yes, Jesus is my man, right? Then your job is to come over here to underneath this tree and rescue them and get them to eat off of the tree of life. That's your responsibility, right? Now, I'm not saying you're perfect at it, and I'm not saying all the times you have the right words. I don't. I did a funeral yesterday, and, and, and let me, I did a funeral yesterday at Joe, for Joe Hart, and let me tell you, I didn't know what to say. Lynn could tell you, an hour before the funeral, I was pacing the floor. So I, I don't have words for a 24-year-old man that died. I don't have words for that. I, how do you comfort, I mean, the bleachers at the high school football field in Lapel were full. The home bleachers were full. How do you speak to a community grieving? And so I can tell you this, my notes were about like that. And I just trusted the Holy Spirit for the rest of it. Because I didn't have, I don't have words for that. I felt uncomfortable, but I can tell you after the service that two people decided to surrender their life to Jesus <laughs> off of that. How do, you, how, do you, how do you speak to them? You just trust the Holy Spirit. You do your job, and you go, okay, I'm going to trust you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to trust you to, 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 to help me bring them over to the tree of life, to eat off the tree of life. But what happens to these people and their works when they die and they stand before God? Revelation tells us what happens to them. In Revelation chapter 20, we have what is known as, we have what is known as the great white throne judgment. So let's read this. It says, then I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Let's go back up to the first part of that, and let's just kind of break this down a little bit, because I want you to understand, for those people that don't know Jesus, but they stand before God one day at this judgment, at the great white throne judgment, here's what he goes, I, John writes, he goes, then I saw the great white throne and him who, who was seated on it, and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. So where are we at? We are in the throne room of God. We are in God's throne room. And going to the next verse in 12, and I saw the dead, great and small. He's not talking about those who are physically dead. This verse does not reference those people that are physically dead. This verse references those who are spiritually dead, who have no relationship with Christ. Can I kind of give you just a quick, obvious, how you know that? If they're physically dead, they're not standing. That's clear for everybody? And so we have here those who are spiritually dead at the great white throne judgment. They've either died or they were still living and it was time for judgment. And they went before the throne of God. And notice what God does. He opens books, plural. These are books that God opens. Okay? And then there was another book called the book of life. And he says that in these books, if you notice the dead, the spiritually dead, were judged according to what they had done as recorded in what? The book or multiple books? Multiple books. Those people that are spiritually dead are judged. And we don't, we don't like, well, don't judge me, right? Don't, don't judge. People tell me all the time, well, don't judge me. And I'm like, I'm not judging you. But let's have a real conversation for a minute. If you don't believe in judging, how did you, how, how did you put your clothes on this morning? You made a judgment call, didn't you? What to wear, what not to wear? I'm just saying, like, we make judgment calls all the time. You come up to a yellow light. You make a judgment call whether you're going to step on the accelerator or hit the brake. Some of you sin in that moment, and some of you do not sin in that moment. I'm a sinner. Just throw that out there, right? And so what do we find when those who do not know Jesus stand before the throne of God? God opens books, and inside of these books are recorded every deed and every action and every thought and everything that you've ever done, right? And these books record what you've done. Now, those people that do not know Jesus and are standing before God at the great white throne judgment, it's going to be inherent. you got to let me in. Like, I, I prayed that one time at the Thanksgiving family dinner. I prayed that one time. And, and, and I went to church on Christmas and Easter. I never cheated on my spouse. I'm a good person. Let me in. I'm a good person. That's going to be the cry. 
Have you ever noticed the rich man that goes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, I, I've done all these great things and I've kept all the law. Tell me what else must I do? Where was his focus? What do I have to do to get into heaven? We like to think that somehow that's in our power. That somehow I can be good enough. Right? That somehow I can perform. If I just perform well enough, God will let me in. This is what those who die without Jesus are going to say to God. And God's going to open up the, these books of works, and he's going to, you, you're right, you never did cheat on your spouse. You did pray at Thanksgiving. You did give to the homeless shelter. You did help the chicken cross the road. Or the little old lady, or whatever, right? You did. And then he's going to say, then bring me the book. The book. Also known as the Lamb's Book of Life, in which those that follow Jesus, their name is written in it. Because now let's see if your name is in this book. And the Bible says, let me back up just for a minute. The Bible will always define itself. So if you find some belief or theology in one passage, you should be able to find it throughout between Genesis and Revelation. And so the books, plural, of works in heaven, you will find it again in Psalm 56, verse 8. You will find it again in Psalm 139, verse 4. You will find it in Daniel chapter 7, verse 10. Okay? So it is throughout Scripture, and there's more, but those three should suffice. And so they're going to say, I did all these wonderful things for my neighbor. I did all of these wonderful things. Yes, you did. But now bring me the book of life, and let's see if your name is in the book of life. And so he'll get it, and he'll open it up, and he'll say, but your name's not here. This is where it matters. What did Jesus, what did Jesus tell the disciples when he said, I give you power to cast out demons and to heal the sick, go. And he sent them out, and what they do? They went, oh my gosh, you won't believe it, like we, we cast out a demon, and it was like all poltergeist and stuff, and people's legs grew out, and okay, they didn't say that, I was just ad-libbing, but... They came back excited. <laughs> and I love Jesus' response. Okay, yeah, I, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So what? Like, I, I kicked Satan out of heaven. And he, it was that fast. He goes, let me tell you something, guys. Don't rejoice that demons are subject to you. Don't rejoice that you can pray for people and they'll be healed. Rejoice. And be exuberantly excited that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Because that takes more power. Redeeming your soul takes more power than removing demons from somebody. Getting your name in the Lamb's book of life takes more power than it does for somebody to be healed. Getting your name in the Lamb's book of life takes more power from God to, than for God to make sure your house payment is paid and you've got the money to pay it. See, we get all excited over like, whoo, these were big miracles. God did this for me. God did this for me. You should be more excited that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life because that cost God his son. That cost God his son. 
And so God for the sinner, for those that do not follow Jesus, he's going to be, okay, great things, but let's see, are you really going to get into heaven? Your name's there. And the Bible tells us, and I didn't want to dive into it this morning, but the Bible tells us that all of those good deeds that they did to try to prove that, look what I did, look what I did, look what I did, will only further condemn them deeper in the recesses of hell. In all of the layers and levels of hell, it will only condemn them deeper because they tried to do it in their power and not reliant upon Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. But I did all these things. Yes, you did. Not denying that. But is your name right here? That's what matters. That's what happens to those that don't follow Christ. Now, what about those who follow Christ? What about those that say, man, I live for Jesus. I, I, I accepted Christ and I did, I did works for God. I did things for God, not for myself. I did them for Jesus because I love Jesus and I love Jesus because he first loved me and, and I had this relationship and I wanted to please God and I wanted to serve God. What happens then? Because these books have our works in them as well. And that particular judgment is known in theological terms as the judgment seat of Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, it's basically an award ceremony. You have waiting for you because you choose to be generous. You have an award ceremony in heaven waiting on you. Nobody amen that. Nobody amen. You have an award ceremony. Don't get all, and don't get all like, False humility, oh, well, I don't really don't want any awards. <laughs> it's okay. Baloney. Look, if God wants to reward me, yes. Amen? Amen. I'm excited that God wants to. He found me worthy enough to be rewarded. To not just die, but to reward me for my life living for him. Are you crazy? It's not enough that you died for me. You want to reward me? We should be excited about that. We ought to be excited about that. So the judgment seat of Christ, also a.k.a. the reward ceremony. Romans chapter 14. You can just write these down. Romans 14, 10 through 12. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Romans 14, 10 through 12. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, but it's really God just judging your works and going, man, you know what? That earns you this. That earns you that. That, praise God. You know, you, here, here, you know what? Your reward is that your mount, that your reward is that your mansion is going to have a big chocolate fountain right in the entryway. Aren't you happy? For some of you, you might turn on the faucet and Mountain Dew might flow out or whatever the heavenly equivalent is, right? So you're like, I just saw some dude lick his lips. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. You know? So God wants to reward you. I mean, think about it. He's our loving heavenly father. Don't you want to reward your kids when they do things well? God's looking to reward you. God's not some old crotchety dude up there with a baseball bat ready to whack you over the head. He wants to embrace you. He wants to love you. He wants to reward you. Some of you might even actually get to taste the rainbow up there. Skittles. All right, whatever. All right. 
So in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, let's talk about this from a believer's side. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, For it's grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. So Paul says, and he goes on, he says, Not by works so that no one can boast. He says, Guys, your salvation, you can't earn it. How horrible would heaven be if everybody said, well, I did this to get in. Well, I did this to get in. Well, I did heaven. Do you want to spend eternity with the one-upper? I, when, when I was in corporate America, my cubicle was diagonal from our team's one-upper. It was horrible. Well, you did that. Well, let me tell you about a time. Here we go. Like, every time they opened their mouth at a meeting, in a meeting, we knew, oh, here it goes. She's going to say it. She's got to prove that she's better. Right? Y'all know those people. If you don't, raise your hand. Let me see if you know them. Because if you raise your hand, you're the one-upper. Because you're ready to tell me. Oh, you let me tell you about my one-upper. Right? So Paul says, God, you can't earn it. And then he goes on. And then he's, go to verse 4. We are God's handiwork. You're God's handiwork. God designed you to be you. You'll never be more you than when you tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit and allow God to work through you the way he designed you. You're God's handiwork. Saturday mornings at the priest house, we clean our house, right? And we have this vile machine in our house. It's called a vacuum cleaner, right? And it has these just horrible little lights on it and it tells you if it's red if the light's red it means that carpet right in that spot's really dirty and if it's green that means it's cleaner and it'll tell you like how dirty the carpet is i will tell you that when i try when i have my sons vacuum their room it just stays red <laughs> that they burned that light bulb out right but how silly is it for me to try to vacuum but i never plug it into the power source so many of us try to clean up our lives and do our thing and why can't I get it clean? Why can't I get it clean? Why, why, won't, the, why won't the scriptures work for me? Why won't the... You got to plug it into the power source. You have to plug your life into the power source for it to work. If you want to know why it's not working, plug it in. Look at your neighbor and say, plug it in. You've got to plug it in. You got to plug your life into the Holy Spirit. That wasn't even in my notes. You're God's handiwork. Created. You were created in Christ Jesus. You were created to do good works and to do good things. God prepared in advance for you to do good works. You say, if you, God says, if you will come to me and you will accept me as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to plug you into this thing called the Holy Spirit. And then you are going to begin to clean up things and clean up messes so that your light goes red to green and your life can be clean i've got plans and a purpose for you but you won't be able to do it until you plug into the power source if you're still following if you're following jesus but you're still trying to figure out life on your own what's the old commercial plug it in plug it in yeah now it's stuck in your head all day you know it is right for real so you got to plug it in paul says you got to plug it in now what are those rewards the Generosity, what is it going to look like in heaven someday? What is it going to look like? Well, Paul tells the church at Corinth about this, and he says in 1 Corinthians 15, Corinthians 15, 41 through 44. And he's describing 
people who will receive their rewards in heaven. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon has another, the stars another, and, star, and stars differ from star and splendor. So it will be at the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. He says, you are going to be raised and you're going to get a spiritual body. You're going to have a spiritual body. And some people's rewards, they'll shine like the sun. Some people's rewards will shine like the moon. Some people's rewards will shine like the stars. And stars vary in their brightness. Here's what we need to, to, to understand. I want you to take away from this part particularly. No two individuals will be identical in their rewards in heaven. No two people will be identical in their rewards in heaven. Why? Because we, all, we are all at varying degrees following God's desire for our life and God's plan for our life. And, and as someone who is, you know, who is learning to grow spiritually... I've learned that when I first started following Christ, like a baby, I was still trying to figure it out. I wasn't always obedient. I don't, I don't want to do that. Right? How many of you have ever, right? I remember one day when our church was in school, the high school was having a play after our church. We were in the Lapel High School Auditorium. And they were, some of the stagehands and stuff were coming into the, to the cra- uh, stagecraft room and they were beginning to work on things. And I had this like awesome leather biker jacket that I just loved. And I'm talking to this guy and I'm talking and talking. It's like cold out and he doesn't show up with a coat. And I sense God saying, give him your jacket. Just give it to him. I'm like, you don't understand, God. You know what this costs me. Like, this is a leather biker jacket. I don't own a bike. I have a Mustang. It's just weirdness all around. But I sense God said, give him your jacket. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. Now, I can, I can either obey my father or I can stomp my foot and go, mm-mm, not going to do that. Right? And so I learned. And I said, tell you what, here's my jacket. You can have it. Oh, no way. I love this thing. I said, well, it's yours. Keep it. No. You know, and then he, like, tried to fight me on it. Not, not like, literally, but, you know, like, how you argue, like, when somebody wants to give you a No, no, no. You, we try to be all humble, but you act like you really don't want it, but you do. <laughs> Take it. Because you rob them of their blessing. They're going to reap what they sow. Don't rob them of their blessing. Right? money and just say I don't want to rob you of your blessing thank you right and so I I didn't spiritual on him and say don't rob me of my blessing I just said I just said here it's your jacket take it I don't need it right and the look on his face and his response of this senior in high school was like you have to be kidding me I'm like I'm not kidding you this is the love of God that what I own isn't mine anyway. And if God tells me to get rid of it, I get rid of it. And if I give it away, I give it away. Because I don't rely on my job or my paycheck. I rely on God. 
and God will provide. God is my provider, not my job. God has given me my job to provide, but if God takes my job, then he'll provide me another one, right? Because God's my provider, and so I trust that. So when God says, do it, do it. And so Paul says, guys, based on your willingness to obey God and obey your heavenly father, some of your rewards will shine brighter. Some of your rewards will be dollars. Some of you will have more rewards, less rewards. There will be no two individuals in heaven with the same amount, same type of rewards. We think heaven is just going to be the same for everybody. It's not. It's not going to be the same. Because every single person in here is a different story. Every single person in here is a different obedience. Every single person in here grows differently. Why do you think we need eternity? I've got to know my sister and my brother and hear their stories and talk and learn. Oh, man, you've got, you, you got this reward. Why is it so shiny? Well, let me tell you about it. Right? It's what we have. And there are other rewards for the believer. Just real quick, um, as we get ready to wrap this up, we see, we see in Scripture where there are crowns. In, in 1 Peter 5, 4, 1 Peter 5, 4, there's a crown for glory. In Revelation 2, 10, there's a crown for life. In 2 Timothy 4, there's a crown of righteousness. There are different crowns. There are different types of rewards. 2 Timothy 2, 12 says that some, most of us will rule and reign with Jesus. Ruling and reigning with Jesus. Now, that implies there's something to rule over in heaven. Right? Those who are responsible with their walk with Christ will be given more responsibility in heaven. Now, we talked about this at our grow group in our house. <laughs> and I love my wife. And the first thing she said was, I don't want more responsibility. Why, why would I want more responsibility in heaven and have it throughout all of eternity? Right? Like most of us think of heaven as just laying on the beach, letting the waves, you know, fight it in my own house too. Right? Like most of us think of heaven as just, maybe you're just on a harp with wings floating on clouds. That's not heaven. Laying on a beach, there are probably beaches in heaven. I don't know. Here's what I do know. When you think about responsibility in heaven, the reason we don't like responsibility on earth is because when you are given a promotion, say, to manager or supervisor, you might like the pay raise, but then you have to deal with more people and more pressure. Do you know what every person has inside of them? Pride, jealousy, anger, rage, selfishness. But what would it be like to rule and manage and have more responsibility if pride, anger, selfishness, rage didn't exist? And everybody was looking out for one another. And everybody was loving one another. Your outlook on responsibility, doesn't it? What do you think causes you to pull your hair out at work? Because just fill out the paperwork. I don't know what that means. Just answer it. <laughs> right? You all have done that, right? What do you mean you wanted that in that report? How am I supposed to do this? Guess what? That all stems from I have to know, pride, anger. That doesn't exist in heaven. Praise the Lord. 
So the responsibility in heaven to rule and reign looks vastly different. Because in heaven there's patience and there's truth and there's love and there's joy and there's peace like we've never known. And so to have more responsibility in heaven is not like getting more responsibility on earth because here on earth you're dealing with a sin nature. In heaven, you're dealing with a godly nature. They have their unique personalities. We'll all have our unique personalities in godly form. And the responsibility then is different. You know what? Okay, I think I'm okay. And when we talked about that in our grow group, people in our grow group were like, oh my gosh. Okay. Maybe having more responsibility in heaven ain't so bad. Maybe it's okay. So one of the rewards for generosity is getting to rule and reign with Jesus in heaven. 1 Corinthians, in closing, this will be our last verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Paul tells them, therefore, he's talking to Christians. He goes, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. What's he talking about? He's talking about the judgment seat of Christ, which is basically the award ceremony for Christians. And he's talking about the great white throne judgment for those who don't follow Jesus. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Aw, snap. Because we all, you know, like, I don't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. God's like, yeah, mm -mm. everything that's in darkness will be brought to light. Okay? The Bible says your sins will find you out. It will get exposed. Anyway, at that, at that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, for, for the Christian, I want you to get this. If you're not following Jesus, I want you to hear this and understand what's about to be said. The word praise literally means, I want to read it to you because I want to get this right. The word praise literally means accurate and enthusiastic acknowledgement of one's efforts. At that time, each, you will receive accurate and enthusiastic acknowledgement from God for your efforts for his kingdom. God is just up there waiting to go, come on, you can do it. You've got this. You can get through this. I know that you can do it because I already see you standing up here before me, and I'm enthusiastically praising you for everything that you've ever done for me. And if you're going through hell right now, but I promise you that the rewards in heaven will outweigh anything you go through. Amen. That's what God is saying right here. I'm waiting to enthusiastically praise you when you get up here. I'm waiting to make a fuss over you when you get up here. I want to praise you. I want to celebrate what you've done. I'm excited for you. You, you guys need some espresso? Thank you. When I start preaching, you guys, all right? So let's try this again. God is enthusiastically in heaven waiting to praise you. Thank you. I'm serious. We gotta, this church got to liven up. And we can't, no more standing here grabbing the back and saying, I'm not feeling it. Plug into the power source. Plug into the whole, sometimes I wonder if any of us even got the Holy Spirit. Because when I look at Acts chapter 2 and throughout the New Testament, they were excited. 
some of you have screamed at the TV in the last two days over the NCAA tournament, then you are excited about Jesus standing here today. And if I step on your toes and break them, it's all right. God's a healer. He'll heal them. But it's true. Your bracket is busted, but your salvation is not. I'm trying, guys. I'm really trying. God is in heaven waiting for your day to stand before him so that he can enthusiastically, with passion and excitement, acknowledge what you've done for the kingdom. The creator, the one who created the universe, is passionate about you and loves you and cannot wait to acknowledge what you've done. And so when we talk about generosity, we talk about the things that, that God gives us the opportunity to do for his kingdom and to love on him and to love on our neighbor and to share the gospel with other people. These are our rewards. These are our rewards. We should be excited. And as we close, here's what I want to say. Everybody just go ahead and stand up. Here's what I want. Here's what I want for each of you. If you're following Jesus, I want you to grow more in the submissiveness of the Holy Spirit and willing to, willing to obey Christ and what he's asking you to do, whatever that looks like. If you're here this morning and, and maybe you uh, don't know Jesus, maybe you said, I had no idea that God is waiting to celebrate me and my work for the kingdom. Maybe you here this morning, you thought you earned your way into heaven. Well, if I'm just, you know, hey, I'm not, as, I'm not as bad as Hitler, so I should get in, right? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Some of you are going to be shocked when you get to heaven. You see some people are there. Because maybe in their dying moments, they accepted Christ. And you'd be like, how'd you get in? And they'll look at you and say, how'd you get in? <laughs> by the grace of God. Amen. By the grace of God. It is by grace through faith, not of our own works. So if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask Steve and Bonnie to come up here, and I'm going to ask for, um, I'm going to ask for Aaron and Lori to come up on this side, and we're not going to close out with song today, but what I'm going to do is just in silence, I'd like for everybody just to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're here this morning, And you thought you can earn your way into heaven? Because death's coming for all of us. Father time is undefeated. If, you're, if that's been your thought, I want to invite you to come forward and accept Christ. To give your life to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm tired of living for myself. I want to follow you. I want to walk into heaven. And I want to sing your praises as you are excited about what I've been able to do for you because you love me and I love you. If you want to walk in that kind of relationship with God, I invite you to come forward. If you're here this morning, you need prayer for anything else. As people, the head bows, eyes closed. If you need prayer for anything, I know the people standing at the front would love to pray for you. So I'm just going to give you a moment step out
in boldness. I believe that God's going to do some amazing things. When you're bold enough to step out for Christ, he's bold enough to step out for you. I'll even go further. God was bold enough to step out for you when you weren't willing to step out for him. If you haven't come forward, would you just pray for the people that are up here this morning? Pray for them. I'm going to pray, and then you guys will be free to go. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you not only came and died for us to give us hope for eternal life, but you gave us the opportunity to be generous towards your creation. You gave us the opportunity to plug into the power source and to have a relationship with you. And so, God, I just ask you to look out these doors today. May we look for opportunities to be generous because we love you, because we've accepted what you've done for us. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for those that are here today, that next week we might bring somebody back with us, that we might invite somebody to our Easter service, Lord, that we would acknowledge you as the giver of all good things. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. You guys are awesome. You have an amazing week. We'll see you next week.